you've done How could you fall so far? You should be ashamed of yourself And so I was ashamed of myself The lies I believed They've got some roots that run deep I let them take a hold of my life I let them take control of my life Standing in your presence, Lord, I can feel you digging all the roots up. I feel you healing all my wounds up. All I can say is hallelujah. Look what you've done. Look what you've done in me. You spoke your truth to the lies I let my heart believe. Look at me now. Look how you made me do. too broken now i see you were breaking new ground inside of me standing in your presence lord i can feel you digging all the roots up i feel you healing all my wounds up all i can say is hallelujah say that again in Psalm 118:89 it says this your word lord is eternal it stands firm in the heavens your faithfulness continues through all generations you establish the earth and it endures i'm so thankful and aren't we blessed that we can come in here today gather in this room for many to gather online and we can worship the one who holds tomorrow in his hands we don't know what tomorrow comes we don't know what this year holds for each of us but we come because we serve a God who is in control and he determines our steps. So we have a reason to worship. And what better place to begin the new year at here and worshiping together. 
So go ahead and look at your neighbor, tell them Happy New Year if you haven't yet. And Happy New Year, New Year to you. We're so glad that you could join us today. If you're visiting, we are honored to have you here with us. And one of the things I want to, we're going to do a little bit different. Uh, as always, we say this every week, you can fill out the care card that's in your bulletin. You can request information that way. Stop by our guest table. We have a card there. But one of the things you'll see in the center column, we have just a simple QR code, and you can see that on the screen. It's going to be up there every Sunday. And uh, that's for you as a guest, and maybe you invite somebody to come with you. Um, if your phone's capable, just put your camera up, and that will take you to a simple uh, guest information card. It takes about 30 seconds to fill out. And that gives us a record of your visit and helps us to know how we can uh, reach out to you better. There's even an option there, just say, don't bother me. You don't have to contact me. I'm just visiting today. You can put that on the card, but we would love for you to take advantage of that. And if you have a guest, encourage them to do that before the service or after the service. It's also on our television there at the guest table. But we're glad to have you here and welcome you. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. And as we begin our service, um, I know this is the ultimate dad quote. But we say this every, I say this every year, I think, and it's the only Sunday that you get to honestly say this to your neighbor. Look at them and say, this is the best you've looked all year, and welcome them to the service.
As you know, this is a time of the service that we set aside for prayer, and we have many in our congregation that we need to pray for. I'd like for us to remember the Freemanis family and uh, Mary Lee's back there in the back, and just want to thank you for your prayers for her and Andre. Uh, we had Andre's service uh, yesterday here, here at the church, and I want to thank Justin and Kevin uh, for helping every funeral that we have. Justin and Kevin are here. Sometimes they'll do the sound, they'll greet people, lock up, open up, different things like that. So I'm very thankful for them and for their service here. And uh, just want to just want to thank them for their pastoral care hearts that they have. Uh, I tell uh, my buddies that are preachers all the time when the churches start growing, I said, you got, you got two choices to make. You're either going to be a pastor of a congregation or you're just going to preach to people. Okay, you got to make a decision. What are you going to be? And here at East Hills, we try our best to do both. Amen. We try to pastor you and we try to preach to you as well. And, uh, and I would tell you this, if you're looking for a church and the pastor of that church can't preach your funeral, then you need to find another church, amen? Or visit you in the hospital or different things like that. So I want to thank our staff uh, for being here. We've had, I think, six funerals here at the church since November. So I just want to thank them for, for what they do and helping me with that. And once you know that you're prayed for, we love you. Uh, we want to tell Mary that we love her and thank her so much for being here today. Uh, says a lot about her. We had her husband's funeral yesterday, and she's here today. And Mary, we love you. Uh, we have other people to pray for. Melinda Chapman, who's here every Sunday. She's sick. She's been in and out of the ER for the past two or three days. So if you will remember her in prayer, uh, has a lot of issues going on. Chris Fox uh, is at Fry Hospital. He had a very serious heart attack. So if you will remember him in prayer. And also, if you'll just look in your bulletin, uh, names are in the bulletin because you call. And so you remember this person or that person. So uh, if you're looking for somebody to pray for, you can always take out your bulletin that's online and pray for those people. And also, this is the time that you can come as an individual. You can come as a family. You can come with friends. Uh, but this is a time I think it'd be great to start off the new year here at this altar praying. So as the praise team lead us, leads us in this, if you'll meet me here at the altar, let's pray together this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to pray. Father, I'm reminded that your word says that you're close to the brokenhearted. Father, you're our great comforter. And Father, I pray that you would help with those who have family issues, health issues, those who have lost loved ones. Father, I pray that you would heal and that you would help in ways that only you can. Father, your word says that you'll be our refuge, our rock, our strength. And Father, there are many in this congregation that need you now more than ever. And I pray that you would touch them. Father, I pray that we'd start off this year praying and thanking you, Lord, for thanking you for getting us through last year. 
and for the help that you gave us there. Thank you for all the blessings, Lord. Your word says to, to never forget the blessings that we have. And Father, I pray that we would just continually thank you for that. And Father, thank you that your presence is here. Thank you for, Lord, allowing us to worship together and, and Lord, being a congregation, not just a congregation, but a church family. And Father, I want to thank you for how I've seen this church family, Lord, this past year help people financially, Lord, help people emotionally, being friends, mourning with those who mourn. Father, I want to thank you for how this church has blessed my life and my family's life. And Father, I pray that we'd never take these times for granted. And Father, we want to thank you and praise you for what you've done, for what you're doing and for what you're going to do. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Thank you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, and if you'll stand with me, we're going to read verses 25 through 35. Last week, of course, we looked at the birth of Christ, and today we're going to look at an incident in his life, uh, probably about 40 days later, where a man named Simeon uh, meets uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus as a child in the temple. And I think what we can look at from Simeon's life is this, am I, as a person, aging well? A couple years ago, I turned 50, and what I didn't know, was I'd never been 50 before, ironically enough, is I got an AARP card, I believe, is that what you call it? I just throw that in the trash. I thought, is this for me? Is this for me? But you think about this, when you think about the new year, and you think about resolutions and goals and all those things, and I think it's very noble to have all those. One of the things that we can all look in the mirror and ask ourselves is this, am I aging well? And I find it amazing that in the days that... Simeon lived, he didn't have near the uh, 
uh, knowledge that we have about Jesus, the Messiah, and all those things, he still was this type of person, someone to emulate. And then in a couple weeks, we'll look at Anna, one of the most beautiful women in all the Bible, and how that the Bible says that she was still serving God later in her age. But notice what verse uh, 25 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So almost every point I'm going to make today comes out of that one verse. And then the, the rest of these verses explain it. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when, he, when the parents brought in the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace. That's a death phrase, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and Mary marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Bless, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul. And literally what Simeon is doing here by way of the Holy Spirit is prophesying to Mary, even though she didn't realize it at the time, she did later, is that your soul will be pierced when you see your son hanging on the cross. That's why Jesus was, was born, was to die in our place, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. But notice that word behold in verse 34, and also notice the word behold in verse 25. That just tells you Luke's opinion by way of the Holy Spirit of Simeon. That word behold, he says, look at this child, behold this child. And then behold this man, Simeon. So we can learn a lot from Simeon this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I want to thank you for how you use Luke in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 1. As we looked at a few weeks ago, how that Luke carefully researched the life of Jesus. And that he sent this letter that we call the gospel to Theophilus. To help encourage Theophilus in his faith. And Lord, you have use this gospel to encourage us down through the years. And Lord, we're reminded that this is a historical book that is historically accurate, talking about real people who really lived. And Father, you, you're talking about a real man named Simeon who was, who was led by the Holy Spirit and Lord, drawn by the Holy Spirit, not only to the salvation, but to, to this moment in time. And Lord, I want to thank you for the example that he set and for noticing his life. Lord, he's only mentioned here in all the Bible. And Father, what a great man he is. And Lord, what a great woman Anna is. And Father, I pray that it would encourage us, Lord, to really evaluate our lives in this upcoming year and ask ourselves, are we aging well? And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you do because, Lord, the things that you do are eternal. And we ask these things in Christ's name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A few years ago, the Census Bureau found that by 2035, Adults over the age of 65 are expected to outnumber children under the age of 18 for the first time in human history, if you can believe that. David Jeremiah, speaking on aging, said this, We can stay young at heart because Christians view the aging process differently from everyone else on earth. He says, after all, how can you grow old if you're going to live forever? 
Our bodies may show signs of wear and tear, but we should remember the truth of 2 Corinthians 4.16. If you'll show that on the screen, Michael, which says this, even though our outward man is perishing, you can just look around. Look at your uh, wedding pictures, okay, if you're older, and then look at, take a picture now. They're vastly different, are they not? Okay, for some reason I can't wear the same clothes. I'm not sure why, but, but I'm vastly different than I was then. My outward man is perishing. Look at the word perishing. It's not designed to last as it is on this planet. One day God will give us a new body that will last forever, that will never perish, okay? Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, even though on the outside I'm dying or decaying, on the inside I'm getting better. Now that's a challenge to me as a person, not just as a preacher, but as a person, as a Christian. Am I getting better, spiritually speaking, on the inside? When you think about all that was accomplished by people in the Bible in their older years, Abraham and Sarah raised their son of promise when they were more than 100. Moses battled Pharaoh and delivered Israel at the age of 80, then led the rebellious nation for the next 40 years. The Bible says Samuel in his retirement years devoted himself to a ministry of prayer and teaching. Daniel was well past 80 when he was thrown in the lion's den. Isn't that amazing? Most of the pictures we have of Daniel, he's a young man. Uh, we looked two weeks ago at Zacharias and Elizabeth who were senior saints before they were given the responsibility of raising John the Baptist, the forerunner. And then the Apostle Paul, if you read, most of the New Testament was written by him or a lot of it. He writes in Philemon 1.9 that he was Paul the aged, talking about his old age. The Apostle John wrote his greatest masterpieces, his gospel epistles, the book of Revelation in old age. Most people think that he was around 90 when he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the book of Revelation. So look at this verse again. Even though my outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. I'm dying on the outside, but living and growing on the inside, which means my best spiritual days, which are the eternal days that make the most internal impact are happening now and in the future. The The author of Psalm 92 says this, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. So my goal as a man who is aging is to bring forth fruit. Amen. And we're going to look at how that we can do that. So the question today is this, how are you aging? And I don't mean physically, even though that's very important. But spiritually, our text today, we see a man who is dying on the outside but living and growing on the inside. And hopefully it will encourage us. And these points are very simple. The first one is this. He was a just man. Okay? Notice verse 25, and that's where most of these points come from. And the Bible says, And behold, Spurgeon said this about Simeon. What a biography What a biography of a man. How short and yet how complete. He says, Beloved, that is enough of a biography for any of us. If when we die, this can be said of us. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. That word behold means take a look at this person. It's like the Holy Spirit is leading Luke to say this. Behold, look at this man. Look at this man. Why should we look at Simeon? His name, or one of the characteristics of Simeon is this. This man was just, and there's, there's two ways you can translate that word just. And they both kind of mean the same thing. The first one is righteous, which means I'm right with God. And the second one means I'm just, which means I'm right with man. 
which means, and they both can be applied here. Some translations say this man was Simeon, this man was righteous, or this man was Simeon, this man was just, okay? They both apply. The first one is this, this man was righteous, which means he was right with God. And I ask these questions all the time. It was a question that was asked of me when I was 20 years old and lost. Jamie, are you right with God? No. I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt the answer to that question. Now, I'd taken a lot of tests. As a matter of fact, when I was 18, I took the SAT. And my score on the SAT is none of your business. Okay, so don't ask me, all right? But when I was asked this question, it was one of the hardest questions, or the easiest question to answer, but the hardest question to really own up to. 20 years old, are you right with God? Absolutely not. In every funeral I preach, I ask that question. Are you right with God? See, death teaches us some things, right? Death is an evangelist to all of us, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. Am I right with God? I got right with God on a Tuesday night, about a mile from this church. I remember preaching a revival at a Methodist church. Forgive me for my microphone. And I was sitting there. It was a pre-meal. It was, it was a meal before the service. And literally, at that time, this church was smaller, okay? Had a lot of senior adults in it. And there was a guy across the table from me. We were eating. We were just talking about our lives, right? And I asked him some things. And I came up this. I said, are you a Christian? And he laughed. And he said, young man, I was born in this church, basically. And I said, okay. And I said, how old are you? He said, 90. And I said, you sweet fellow. And that day, that night, I preached on heaven, okay? And then I, and, and I basically said this. This place is reserved, Peter tells us, for God's children. And I said, our works do not make us right with God, right? They don't. Only faith in Christ makes us right with God. And I said, being a church member, I list all these religious things do not save us. I gave the invitation. One person came down. It was that 90-year-old man. And he said, for the first time in my life, I'm giving my life to Jesus. What a blessing. So I ask you this question. Are you right with God? Okay. And then as a Christian, okay, and this will be, I'll ask you this at the invitation, are you ready to meet God as a Christian? That's a question I have to ask myself often. Am I really in the place spiritually that I want to meet Jesus? Come on now. I mean, I'm talking about being honest with yourself. That person in the mirror. Listen to what Paul says. People are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. In Romans 3, he says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him, without keeping the requirements of the law, which would have been shocking to a Jewish person. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, and what Paul is telling the church at Rome is this, God promised in the Old Testament he was going to show us a way to be made right with him that has nothing to do with killing animals or being perfect. All right, And then he goes on to say this, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Are you right with God? How could Simeon be righteous when the righteous one, Jesus, had not even been born, well, before he was called righteous, much less crucified? Justification is by faith, not by works. So clearly Simeon was declared righteous because of his faith. The question is, what or who was his faith in? As Paul states in Galatians, he was saved or justified, declared righteous the same way Abraham was by looking to God and his promise to save people. But that word also means this, is that Simeon was right or just with people. 
It impacted all of his dealings with people. He was just. Which means Simeon was a person that was not going to cheat you. Simeon was a person that was not going to lie to you. He was not going to steal from you. You could trust Simeon with your children, uh, with him around. As a matter of fact, you'd want your children to be like him. When, I give, when people ask me to write a letter of reference for them sometimes, I'll put, I'll put this in there because they're supposed to be small. And I would say, I would, I would trust this person with my children. And now it's my grandchildren, right? And by the way, if you want my grandchildren, the drums come with them, okay? Just remember that. Listen, you could trust Simeon around your spouse. Simeon would be a good neighbor. So ask yourself this question. Am I right with God and am I right with people? See, as, a, as Christians, we should be right with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Make it right. Life is too short for grudges, right? Life is too short to hold bitterness and unforgiveness. See, a righteous, just person is big enough to say, even though you wrong me, I'm going to forgive you. That's a test of your faith a lot of times, isn't it? It's a hard lesson for me to learn, too. I'm not going to hold grudges. I'm not going to hold ill will towards you because God has made me righteous. So I'm going to be just with you. I'm going to be right with you. You can, you can not like me. You can talk about me. You can write articles about me, okay? But I'm going to love you, right? Isn't that a, isn't that a good way to live? Make, it, make a conscious choice this year to live that way. To live that way. I'm going to be a just person. The second thing is this. He was devout, which means this. Uh, just talks about his dealings with just being right with God and being right with people. The word devout means that he had a devotion toward God, which meant this. On the inside, even though you couldn't see it, even though it showed itself on the outside, on the inside, he personally was pursuing the Lord. On the inside, he was personally pursuing the Lord. Now think about this for a moment. This was something that you couldn't see happen, but it was happening on the inside for him. Okay, we don't know how Simeon did it, but on the inside, he had a personal goal and mission in life was I will personally pursue the Lord. Okay? So how can, how can we practically put that? Well, you can pray. How is your prayer life? Let's just say you're a senior, senior adult. You can pray, right? We have a bulletin. Every name means, every name in that bulletin means something to somebody. You may not know them, but somebody loves that person. They love them. And they're in the bulletin because something's going on. Okay? And what you can do that is, in my opinion, a supernatural work and just a blessing is you can take the bulletin, you can pray for that person. I've, I've talked with people in the hospital and said, I can't do nothing. I said, you can witness to your doctor and your nurses, okay? And you can pray. We'll take them a bulletin and say, pray for all these folks, right? You can pray. When we give a time of altar prayer, senior adults lead the way. Show these young people about praying, amen? You say, well, well I can't get down. I can't get down on a knee and pray. It reminds me of a, a senior adult couple. They were widow and widowers. And they started talking to each other, probably met in Sunday school class. And he took a liking to this lady and he told his family, he said, I'm going to propose to her. So one day at church, he got down on one knee with a ring and he says, I got two questions to ask you. It's an older man on one knee, guys. First one, he said, will you marry me? And tears in her eyes, she said, yes. Tears started welling up in his eyes. She said, what's the second question? He said, can you help me back up? See there? We will help you back up here if you need to pray. But you can pray. Think about this as well. You say, well, I can't do much at this age. You can write a card. Can you write a card? 
I'm amazed at how, how, how much that impacts people. When I went to visit with Anita Dunn, okay, when she was at Catawba Hospital in room, I think it was room 161 or 158, she said, these cards have been my lifeline. Cards. See, to you, I mean, to you, you may think, well, I'm just writing a card. No, you're changing somebody's life. You're changing their day. It, write a card, a handwritten note means a lot, does it not? Think about this. If someone dies going to a funeral visitation, you say, well, it don't mean much. I only spoke to them for just a second. Ask somebody. It's life-changing. It can be life-changing for that person that you took time out of your day to come visit and shake their hand and say, I love you, I'm praying for you. Now, you can do that. See, that's the difference between a church and a congregation. That's the difference between a worship service, a lot of churches have worship services, and then everything ends, or a family. And I tell people all the time, you got to choose what do you want. Do you want a worship service, and I'm not putting them down, or do you want to be a part of a family, okay? You want to be a part of a family that's going to love you through the good and the bad times. And that's a decision that you'll have to make. And a lot of times, younger people don't see the beauty of that until they get older, okay? And I want to tell you something. Listen, it takes a small amount of time to walk through a funeral line and just hug somebody's neck and say, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. What a difference that can make. See, that was a guy like Simeon. He was pursuing God and the things of God, the things of God on a daily basis. You know one of the things that we need here at this church, and I can't do it, we need somebody to lead a bereavement group. How many widows and widowers do we have in this church? And you come to me. If God places that on your heart, then you come to me and we'll help you with that. That would be a tremendous way to help men and women, and most of the time they're older, work through these things of losing a spouse. Amen? So if that's you, if you're qualified for that, please see me. I would love to help you with that. See, Simeon was devout. He was pursuing godliness, and it just flows into his service. One scholar put it this way, Simeon is a light in the land of Israel where most of the people are living in spiritual darkness, living profane, unconverted lives. They're led by Pharisees and Sadducees, or scribes, who Jesus said are the blind leading the blind. The third thing here is Simeon was looking for Jesus. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. That word means eagerly waiting. He says, may I see the consolation of Israel, which means the consolation of Israel just means the Messiah is coming. Jesus said this to his disciples, be like men who are waiting, there's that word, for looking, waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Jude, the Lord's brother, says this, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. That's a present tense word that is used in verse 25. G. Campbell Morgan said this. He, he would say this quote often. He said, I never begin my work in the morning without thinking that perhaps Jesus may interrupt my work and begin his own. I'm not looking for death. I'm looking for him. Now think about this for a moment. How many of my daily choices would change if I lived with that mentality? One of the missionaries of old said this, whenever he left America, this was in the 30s, when he left America to go to some jungle or some other country, they asked him why he was doing it, and he said this, a life once, once spent is irrevocable. You don't get the second chance at life. 
as far as once you die. He said, it will remain to be contemplated throughout eternity. The same may be said of each day. When it is once passed, it is gone forever. All the marks which we put on it will, will exhibit forever, he says. He's living with an eternal mindset. He said, each day will not only be a witness of our conduct, but will affect our everlasting destiny. How shall we then wish to see each day? Are you looking for the Lord to come back? If you are, it will change your whole way of living. The third thing is this. He was led by the Spirit. Notice verses 26 and 27. The Bible says this, For my eyes have seen your salvation. A lot to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. Notice verse 26 and 27. The Bible says this. It says, And it had been revealed to him the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Spirit of God takes him, if you will, to church. Think about that for a moment. The Spirit of God will always direct you to a, in my opinion, to a church. Do you realize that this is the only organization we call an organism, and I say this to you quite often, that's in the Bible. I have an iPhone, I'm a, I'm a, I have a MacBook, and I have an iPad. Nothing Apple does is eternal. We use Amazon almost daily. I know the UPS guy, the, the FedEx guy by heart, right? I just know their names, okay? They're part of the family, all right? Nothing Amazon does is eternal. They're not in the Bible. Nothing Walmart does, even though I'm there every day as well, is eternal. What you're doing here is eternal. The Spirit of God led Simeon to the temple, and I guarantee you, weekly it led him to the synagogue. But it not only led him to the temple, it led him to the truth. Notice these verses on the screen. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation has come. Salvation has come. It leads him to the truth. And what he's saying is this. In other words, Jesus is the Messiah offering salvation to the whole world. And notice what he says. A light to bring revelation also to the Gentiles. And what he's saying here is this. He's making a truth statement. He put Jews, Gentiles, and today we'd say Muslim, Hindus, etc., all on the same level. You all need Jesus. He would put preachers and prostitutes on the same level and would say this, you both need to be saved and can be saved. He goes on to say that the, he said this baby, when he picked him up, is a salvation for the whole world. He's making a truth claim. All religions are not the same. We're not all children of God. We're not. It's nowhere in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Bible. He said this child is destined for the rise and fall of many. The rise and fall of many. I find it ironic. Listen to what one person said. I read this article over Christmas. He said this. He's talking about the early Christians and how they believed Jesus was the only way and how that Christianity is a historical fact. It's just a historical fact. The most historically accurate document we have in, in all the world on any part of this planet is this book. It just is. There's no reason to try to deny it. It's the most historically accurate book that we have. And he said this, there is Polycarp and Ignatius who studied under the Apostle John. We have historical records about these men. Polycarp and Ignatius studied under John. Okay? They testified to Jesus' ministry, to John's ministry, and claim as Christ's best friend. Polycarp died on a, on a fire, refusing to reject what John had taught him about Christ. Polycarp, after John died, would continue preaching. He was taken before a pro-council. You can look this up online. And he, he basically almost 
mocked the guy who was having him under a trial, if you will. And they said, we'll send you to the wild dogs. And Polycarp, in paraphrasing, will say, why don't you just burn me alive? So they got a post, and they're going to nail him to the post. He said, there's no reason to do that. He says, the flames that you burn me with, and I'm paraphrasing, they'll, they'll end, but the judge, his flames will be eternal. And he died that way. Ignatius, who was one of his contemporaries who worked with John, and the only reason he's doing this is because he believed Jesus was historically born, historically died, and historically rose from the dead. They disemboweled him, and all he had to do was deny his faith. Man. Think about the Lord's brother James. If, if you study the Gospels, the Lord's brothers basically mocked him and was embarrassed by him. At the cross, none of them were there. Jesus looks at John on the cross and said, this is your mom now. And John took his mother Mary into their home because the brothers wasn't there, probably disowned the family. But after the resurrection, James started preaching. So much so that the Jews took him to the top of the temple mount and throwed him off. All he had to do was renounce Jesus, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. To make sure he was dead, when he hit the ground, they stoned him to death. Now think about this. Also, the Lord's brother, when you read the, the Gospel of Jude, the Bible says this, or the Bible don't, but the Romans executed Jude and his children too. All of Christ's early relations were exterminated, and they died professing him to be alive. Why? Because they believed what Simeon said. That this is the salvation of the world. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's for the Jew and for the Gentile. He's for all peoples regardless of your background. And faith in this child saves and faith in this child alone saves. The only way to become a son or daughter of God is to place your faith in this baby right here. And then he says this, which is the last point, and I ask you this question. Are you ready to die? Simeon makes this statement. It's not going to be on the screen, but he says this. Whenever he makes this tremendous statement about Jesus, he says in verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now listen, the Lord promised him, You will not die till you see the Messiah. So he lived with a sense of, I'm not dying today. It wouldn't that be a blessing? Okay. Then in verse 29, he says, Now, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. He says, I have seen the Lord's salvation, which literally translated means this. My eyes have seen your salvation for me, and I take Christ as my own. Now, I'm not trying to scare you here with this last point, but there is a world out there beyond this one, and those who know the Savior have been given this incredible promise. Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live again. Simeon says, I'm at peace with death. Think about that for a moment. I'm at peace with death. And I think Simeon would say, if it happened today, Lord, bring your Holy Spirit and take me to heaven. Everybody can't say that. Look at this verse. I share this at most funerals as well. This verse on the screen. Solomon writing, he says this. What he's observed, what Solomon says, what I've observed in his many long years, one of the wisest men to ever live. He said, when the wicked and the righteous both die, but notice how different their deaths are. The wicked just means someone who refuses God. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous has hope. Notice this. Notice the word driven away. I want to read you this commentary for a man who lived long ago, a pastor. He said, the wicked, he said, they're dying, they're driven away in their wickedness, in a hopeless state. 
Death commonly comes upon them unexpectedly. That's what the word means. And so surprises them as a deluge surprised the old world. Talking about Noah's flood. Though they were forewarned of it long before it came. Death seizes them as a creditor does a debtor. To drag him to prison, death comes, as, death comes in as a thief at the window and finds them full of busy thoughts about this life which that very day they perish. Death hurries them away in a moment to destruction and makes most, a most dismal change. The man, for the most part, never knows where he is until, as a rich man in Jesus' parable in Luke 16, in hell he lifts up his eyes. The unsaved man is taken away out of the world violently. Driving is a violent action word. The unregenerate man is taken away irresistibly. He must go, though sore against his will. They are driven out of this world where they sin into the other world where they must be judged for their sin. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. They shall no more return to this beloved earth. Though their hearts are wedded to their earthly enjoyments, they must leave them. They can carry nothing from this place to there. They are driven out of time into eternity. Where time lasts with them, there is hope. While time lasts with them, there is hope. But when time goes, all hope goes with it. How precious is your time? That's why Paul would say this to you and me. Today is the day of salvation. They die sinning, acting wickedly against the Lord, as Job said in Job 27, 8. For what hope do the godless have when God cuts them off and takes away their life? Death makes their state absolutely forever hopeless. Time once gone can never be recalled. But the righteous, those who have been made righteous by Christ, have hope in his death. He has hope in his death. So today, you're either righteous or you're not. One day, you'll be driven away suddenly, unexpectedly, clinging to the earth and all that you own, or you're going to die and you're going to have hope. Simeon says, may I depart in peace. What a blessing it is to know Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just in the quietness of this moment, and I'll ask you these questions. Are you, as a Christian, right now, are you right with the Lord? Are you just in your actions, with your family, with your coworkers, with church members, with your friends, in your business, with your children and your grandchildren? Are you just with others? As a Christian, are you devout? Are you pursuing God on a daily basis? What a great resolution, if you will, to make. God, today I make a commitment to spend time with you on a daily basis. And then are you ready to die? If you're lost today, today is a day of salvation. If you're saved today, make things right with the Lord and people. Make things right with the Lord. Are you happy, men? Are you satisfied being the spouse that you've been, being the father that you've been? being the co-worker that you've been, being the church member, lay person that you've been, are you satisfied? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Most of us are not. And today, you don't have to come to this altar when the music's played, but do business with the Lord where you are.
And after I pray, this altar will be open for you if you need it. If not, you can pray where you are and say something like this, Lord, help me to be more like Simeon in my daily life, but make me more like Jesus every moment of my life. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We wanna thank you, Lord, that you're the hope that we have. Father, you're the hope that we have in this life. You're the hope that we have in this death and our death. Lord, you're the hope that we have for eternity. And Lord, I help, pray that you'd help us as members of this church today to pursue you on a daily basis on the inside and love our brothers and sisters in Christ and the lost world on the outside. Lord, help us to look for you. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord, your word says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Lord, it's faith in you, not our works that saves us. And I pray that you'd save for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, this altar will be open if you need it. As Sharon leads us in the song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to reiterate what Kevin said at the start. There's a care card in your bulletin. If you want to fill that out, if you want to, if you have, if you want to know more information about the church, or if you'd like a visit. Now I want to remind you, since COVID, we're asking you to call us if you want to in-home visit. Okay, even hospital visits, we try to call beforehand. We want to respect you uh, in every way that we can. All right. But if you want to know more about the church, you can do that. Use the QR code online. That's an easy way to do it as well so that we can have a record of that. And if you want to, want to talk to the staff at any time, we can. If you're not sure about your salvation uh, and you'd like to talk to me today, you can wait after church, and I'd love to talk to you about it. But we hope, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Wednesday night, we start back on a regular service. God bless you. I hope you have a great day and hope to see you back here Wednesday night. Thank you.